Hey Team Fairchild and everybody else out there listening, welcome to another Refuel Team Fairchild episode. You guys know the drill, we're always looking for ways to increase connectivity amongst the community. Every episode we'll be reaching out to members around the base willing to share their stories of leadership, followership, some resiliency stories, some examples of failure and success, and so much more. So let's get this chapter going. This is Art Northam. We got another episode of our podcast for you guys today. We're going to do it up a little bit different. I was away at training for the last two weeks, so my new professional development NCYC, Tech Sergeant Quint, who I promised you guys, you know, this slot would be coming online. He's been hired. It's going to be a six-month rotation, so applications will be coming online probably end of September, early October, so be on the lookout for that. He is going to talk to two of our CFMs, and for those of you that don't know what CFMs are, that is our career field managers. They're going to talk more in depth about maintenance, aircraft maintenance to be specific, but this is just the beginning. You've got, we've got a great command chief who wants to bring more of our CFMs online, so our finance CFM, our MPF or personnel CFM, because I guess MPF doesn't just all fall under one category. You think I'd know that being FSS now. But in the future, maybe we can get other CFMs from around the Air Force to come visit us. Uh, for now, though, we have aircraft maintenance. So enjoy. All right, Chiefs, thank you very much for coming in. Chief Samovarchian, Chief McRory, appreciate it. Thank you so much. On this episode, we're going to be sitting down with the career field managers from the Pentagon. A yes, rare sir. treat. Yes, sir. Chief Samovarchian. Chief McRory, thank you very much for coming. It's our pleasure to be here. And it's Chief Sam. You can call me Chief Sam, please. Chief Sam, sure enough. How was your day so far? It's been great. You know, Team Fairchild just out in front. The Chiefs meet, met us at the airport with the command chief, and it's just, we felt loved right away. And just uh, people are interacting. They're willing to speak up and talk. So uh, it's a little bit colder than we thought, but I, <laughs> I think we didn't dress appropriately for the location. But uh, it's been great so far. Absolutely. Fantastic. It's definitely been a, a warm welcome, and we certainly appreciate it. Uh, everywhere we've gone around the base has been phenomenal, and the interaction with the airmen is just invaluable to us as we uh, as we work in the Pentagon. You know, we we really appreciate our time out in the field. Awesome! It's a little bit sleep shirt weather for sure. We had a little bit cold turn. Right. You, you missed the, the high 90s last week. And I would tell you these field visits really give us an opportunity to hear what's happening on the ground. You know, it's a, when you're in the building, you know, you hear things, you see things, but hearing it directly from the airmen makes it easier for us to work with. Absolutely. Awesome. And I know we all appreciate you being able to come out. It's a rare treat for us as well. So tell us your story. I, we'll start with Chief Sam. How'd you get to where you are right now? Um, I was a failure on the outside. I had about 28 jobs that I kept getting fired from, um, 28 years old, had no job. Uh, Stephanie, my wife that I've been married to for what, 22 years. She's like, what are we going to do? And I said, I don't know, but I, I heard there's an air force job and I'm going to, I'm going to try for it. And she goes military. And I said, yeah, let's, let's see what happens. I'll do six years and I'll get out, uh, medical, all that's covered. So I joined the air force, got my first assignment to Kadena. Um, we thought we were locked on base. We had no idea. She has no military background at all. And um, we kind of had a good assignment, a good environment. And then we got another assignment to lodge as Portugal. So I said, hey, we've got to extend to go to Portugal. you want to do it? And she said, absolutely. Um, and then after that, England. So the bases kind of kept getting me, right? And uh, I got lucky. And then I'll tell you, the structure helped me because I didn't have any structure on the outside. I never felt 
self-worth, right? I was always just trying to find my own. My family owns fine dining restaurants. They, they always have their identity. And I always felt like I was the son trying to hold their identity. Sure. So the Air Force gave me my identity. You know, it let me be Chief Sam, Airman Sam, uh, Sergeant Sam, you know, just Sam. So um, I'm blessed. We are lucky because the Air Force has given us so much. And uh, yeah, I'll tell you, next thing you know, I'm, I'm at AMC staff being a functional manager. And I kind of got a taste of what staff felt like. And uh, I was making a lot of changes. We brought nose art back, additive manufacturing, uh, crew chief names on the side of jets. I just was always about what do the people want to make it easier for them. And uh, went to Ellsworth from there, and I was going to Osong. And I was lucky that Chief McCoy gave me a call, and team gave me a call and said, hey, do you want to come be a career field manager? And I was like, me? Really? Um, okay. You can try it. And so I interviewed, and uh, I'm here. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's, I, I will never look back. Hardest job I've ever done. Um, but I'll tell you, I'll never look back because the changes that we can make in this job and the things that we can do for the AFSCs, um, there's like nothing else. So that's all I got here, to be honest with you. Failure on the outside. Yeah. Well, their loss is our gain. Yeah. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Chief McRory, how about you? Similar story. I was uh, not very successful with college prior to uh, coming in. I was 21 years old. Uh, come to find out, I was just basically bored. I didn't want to do what I was doing. Uh, and I had family and friends that were in the Air Force, and I said, let me, let me go do that. Uh, guaranteed a job doing F-16 avionics. Never looked back. I was able to work the flight line my whole career. It's been amazing. I was on F-16s my whole career. Uh, culminating up prior to this job, I was the, the group chief at uh, Shaw. Mm-hmm. which was my first duty assignment. So that was, I couldn't do anything better. I was so happy there. Uh, and then uh, ACC reached out and said, we'd like you to volunteer for this position. And I said, well, I don't think I'm the guy for the job. I don't have any staff experience. And they said, okay, uh, we really think you should apply for this job. And I said, okay. Uh, so I did. I, I, uh, I, I did the interview and, and surprisingly to me, I was hired. It's been an amazing journey. Walking into the Pentagon the first day is like your first day of high school all over again. Uh, even even as a seasoned uh, maintainer, a chief, you know, you walk into the Pentagon and you're like, what am I getting myself into? And uh, to Chief Sam's uh, comment, it is hard. Uh, learning all of the things that you need to know to be a career field manager is is difficult, but it's it's a, a welcome challenge. And uh, it's, it's what's kept me going over the last few years. And I'll be retiring from this position as I'm at my 20 ha- 28 and a half year mark. Uh, so I'll, I'll hit my 30 years uh, going out, hopefully making a real difference with our airmen. It's, it's, been a, it's been a tremendous journey. And I still get lost in the Pentagon. <laughs> I still get lost to this day if I go down the wrong wall or something like that. Because it's, it's that big of a building, right? It is. It's, it's, it's it's amazing. If you ever get a chance, go go take a tour of the Pentagon or get a job there. There's so much history out there. I would love it. Yes, sir. At least, you know, if you've gone five times around or five lines, maybe you've made it back to the beginning. I'm not sure if that's how it works or not. Only if you're lucky. Only if you're lucky. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Good to know. So a common question a lot of people ask is identifier patches. I know as a instrument and flight control system, we want our patches real bad, maybe on the horizon soon. So I will say that that we went through a really long process to identify what each AFSC should say, right? We've codified that. We we pushed it through our A4 and um, it's out. So it's going to come on 2903 probably next month or when the new 2903 is published. 
From there, we'll have the table as security forces, EOD, and then you'll see the different AFSCs with what's their authorized patches. I see a lot of folks wearing them right now, and, and you know, it is what it is because they want it. And it's, it's a non-monetary incentive that makes people happy, right? So why not? Why not? Why wouldn't we do it? So the CFMs are going to be authorized to update it every three years. And so I think it'll evolve, right? And so, yeah, plan for next month when the new big 2903 comes out with some changes. And there's going to be a lot of things on the horizon that I'm not going to talk about on here. So I don't want to get ahead of General Kelly and Chief Master on the Air Force. But look at public affairs. Watch the Air Force Times. Watch the news. And some things are going to come out. Some good changes. Awesome. I know we're very excited. We can't wait for that. And we're going to look forward to those changes as well. So looking at CDCs, I know they recently went away for maintainers a couple years ago. Chief McRory, are there any news on the horizon for CDCs coming back for maintainers? There are. We were able to team with AATC. Proof of concept is finally being worked. Uh, it took us a while to get there to identify what would replace the CDCs, which technologies we would use, uh, and then determine you know, what platform we were going to execute. So there's a company working with the 365th out at Shepard right now, and by October, the proof of concept should be fielded. Now, to understand the process, we have to find out how much it's going to cost once it's developed. And then we can expand that and say, this is how much money we're going to need to execute this for all of our career fields through AFCEDA. Once we do that, uh, we, we hope that we can build this partnership and, and, and get them fielded. I can't give you any timelines because it's, it's going to have to go into the POM process. It's going to have to be funded, and then it's going to have to be developed. So it could take some time. Uh, our feedback from the field initially on, on how the tests are performing and, and how we're performing with our current structure of using uh, real-time literature that benefits everybody's career uh, and, and function at their, at their duty assignment has been successful. So we really want to get this right and we want to make it enduring so that we don't have to hit a pause like we did with the, the older model of the CDCs. Uh, because honestly, I, I feel bad that we as an Air Force haven't replaced them yet, but I think the time that we're taking is going to be beneficial to give us an enduring product. Perfect. Chief Sam, anything to add? Uh, just imagine something alive that's that's moving, right? A schematic that, that can move on a page, right? No, nothing that's downloaded and scanned, right? Something that's interactive, that's what we need to get you, right? And I think the way the airmen learn today, the way we learn today, the way even my son's coming up, you know, the schools have better training plans than, than our airmen. So that's why Chief McCory and myself are really pushing hard for this concept. And it's coming. The Air Force is coming. It's coming. So. Awesome. We envision virtual and augmented reality. Right, right. Anything and, along and I would those? Argue, I would argue that AR, VR is good, but I think it's even further than that. I think there's things out there with like Google Glasses where there's modular rooms where the engine will come up straight in front of you and you can move that engine around and we're all lifetime. I, I would say AR, VR is kind of like outdated. I think it's going to work, but I think that's a small portion to the interactive CDP model that Chief McCory and I are talking about. Fantastic. Future's coming. I, I think minority reports, man. Right? <laughs> let's think minority reports. Let's, sure. let's really shoot for where we're going. I mean, Chief McCoury says it all the time. There was not a cell phone in our pocket 20 years ago. So if you think 20 years from now, if that's if it's AR, VR, I would argue that it may be something more adaptive than that, something more advanced. We can't wait to see what that'll be. The future is truly astonishing, and hopefully it's going to be something that impressive. I'm sure you get it a lot. 
Chief McRory, maybe you could speak with the manage, manning shortages that everyone seems to be feeling within maintenance. Right. What, what, we, what we tend to go after right now is the experience shortage. We have a, a lack of experience in the field caused by some decisions that were made over the last few years that allowed us to feel as though we didn't have the manpower we, we needed. We were allowed to overassess airmen by 4,000 over the last three or four years. And then we were working on a retention strategy up in the A4LM that would allow us to have a better sight picture of how many airmen do we need? How many do we need to train and then uh, allow to go over to other career fields or to the guard or reserve? Because those are all needs of the entire Department of Defense. So if you look at that and then we realize that with our over sessions, we created a slight training burden because as everybody knows, we, we have a lot of three levels. We have a, or we have historically over the last three years had less five and seven levels to train the three levels and do all the work that we need them to do. So we did create that burden unexpectedly. Uh, it's, you know, those, those unintended consequences are what we're trying to keep from happening with our strategy by making more linear uh, decisions. So as we go through that and time evolves, we're successfully building that back with, with new airmen, training them, allowing them to promote through the ranks and get their five and seven levels. And then COVID hits, right? And not only does it affect the, the Air Force and how we operate, but it affected our retention. We have record retention now. So in trying to keep ourselves under end strength, we're, we're doing our best to manage the force that we have through the COVID response and make sure that we don't make any decisions that hurt us later. Those linear decisions that we need to make because COVID's not going to keep people in the Air Force forever. But at the same time, we want some people to go be contractors, GS, guard, reserve, and mm -hmm. we want to allow our, our first-term airmen that we just assessed, not all of them want to be maintainers. Some of them might want to go do something else that they can be anything they want to be in our Air Force, right? So the first-term airmen retraining program is, is, is important at this point. But uh, to say we have a manning shortage right now, we can't say that. There's some, there's some populations that we need to move some airmen around and encourage people to go into certain career fields and allow people to grow into those career fields. But overall, our, our manning for the Air Force is at 101%. And so we're trying to manage the long game in how we uh, keep the accessions coming in on a good schedule because our natural reaction is to say, ooh, slow down accessions. But, you know, we have, to, we have to continue to assess and grow airmen through all of our training pipelines. And then we have to uh, manage the force efficiently. Uh, so while we're very healthy now, we want to stay healthy for the future. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I know it's a, it's a hard thing to look at, at least from ground level, not understanding it. So getting to illuminate that a little bit is really going to help out. So thank you. Absolutely. Chief Sam, anything you want to add? I think it's, you know, the seven levels is the real discussion, right? And the five levels. I think they're, our five levels are moving out too fast because the senior airmen staff, they make it, they get promoted, and they're becoming 
seven levels, and then our seven levels are moving too fast because they're becoming master sergeants. And at that point, it's like, it's just that's moving really fast, and, and you can't keep up an experience level. Most people with experience, it's like three to five years now. Where when I came in, I had a staff sergeant that retired at 20 years, you know, and that was okay. That is okay. So we have, we do not have a retention problem right now. We don't. And, and I, I'm, I think COVID just exasperated it. And I think, I think with the culture and climate you're seeing today, from leadership down, that people are going to still stay in. I don't think people are going to get out. I honestly don't because it's kind of a good time to be in right now. I'm enjoying it. I'm having a fun ride. And I think a lot of folks, especially maintainers, as things come along, they're going to start enjoying it. So um, I would say it's an experience problem, not so much a manning problem. Definitely. Very poignant. Thank you. We'll stick with you, Chief Sam, and maybe look at the changes to five-level requirements and getting rid of the minimum time needed for five-level upgrade. So why even have a time limit, right? If, if, if Sam's not so good at maintenance and I need that long-term time to get good, okay, let's say Chief Mahori is really good or you're really good at maintenance, why do I have to bind you to wait 12 months if you're good, right? So, so I think the maximum is needed because there's a maximum, right? And then you need to document it saying, hey, it took Chief Sam this much long, this or Airman Sam this long. Let's document it, Sam. Keep trying, keep going there. But if if you're if you're taking names and, and what almost said, it. anyways, <laughs> if you're taking names and doing some other things and kicking butt, that's the right term to use, not the other one. Um, why not? Why not allow you to finish at six months if you can do it, right? So that's that's really what we were going after. We were we were binding folks to wait wait around for twelve months, but why? Like if they can knock it out sooner, allow them that latitude to move, right? <laughs> Perfect. Easy enough. And it makes a lot of sense. Chief McGregor, anything to add? Our model for the future uh, is going to allow our airmen to be more agile. We're able to assess people with experience. We're, we're able to, and let's just think beyond just maintenance, right? Uh, we spoke to someone today that, that operated a, a car mechanics shop for 10 years before joining he the ran. force. Yeah. And he probably didn't need tech school. So if in the future we can say, hey, maybe you can skip tech school and come right in and work on car engines because you're already ASE certified. Or we can translate that into working on aerospace ground equipment. We can skip tech school. But then when that person who's got 10 years of experience already is gonna go after a five level, they probably can do it faster than the average person that we assessed off the street that didn't know what a screwdriver was. Right? For sure. So, you know, our model has traditionally been all the way through all training and tech school and development is treat everybody the same. But not everybody is the same. We're human. Some people pick things up faster. Some people are, are critical thinkers in certain areas where others are not. And if they're teaming together and they're working together anyway to accomplish the mission, why would we hold them to an arbitrary timeline when we can give the commanders and the supervisors the, the ability to translate the ability to work at a skill level without a time constraint. So that's why I think that it's good that it's gone. Makes and a lot of sense. Why would we, so we have a welder on the outside, certified welder. They come to be metal stack, they gotta go through weld and get certified on it. If they're a certified welder and their certificate is up to date, like, why not just give, let them go to the school, say, hey, let me take the test. I'm good to go. So you have a nice day. Move on to the next thing. I mean, even HVAC on the outside, building air conditioning units, they're metal workers. 
I, I don't know if they would have to even go to an HVAC school. I think they probably are more experienced. If they come to sheet metal and air, aircraft structural maintenance, they probably can blow through the metals portion and go to the corrosion portion and go to the composite portion of the class, right? So I, I think we have to look at that. And a lot of this is going to come with talent marketplace. As you see, the chief master in the Air Force has pushed talent marketplace is, is a working group right now. And I think, I think we're going to get after a lot of those things of how do I identify your certifications and how does that translate to certain jobs? And so I think, I think that's a little bit beyond the CDC and the schoolhouse stuff, but the Air Force is going that way. We have to get, if we're going to be smaller, we're going to be more agile, right? And that's the key, right? So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So Chief McRory, looking at shreds, they came about, well, I don't even know, maybe... 10 years ago around there are we keeping with that with them are we going to go no shreds all heavies so we were looking at uh, getting rid of shreds earlier we were looking at integrated avionics for all heavy aircraft and the ability to move between uh, airframes sooner in your career uh, a few limb facts to that that we found that we're trying to fix before we move forward, right? We want to get it right. Uh, as you know, I'm a fighter guy. When I first came in the Air Force, I went through C-Shop tech school and they said, hey, don't worry about that. When I got to my first base, you're going to be integrated avionics. And next thing you know, I'm integrated avionics on F-16s, right? So we've been doing it for years. We've further evolved the fighter community uh, over the years uh, through technology and tech school to allow that broader system of learning. What we haven't done very well is because of the shreds in in the heavies, tech school's not modernized. The simulators at tech school are not modernized. The GITA aircraft at tech school are not modernized. So in order for us to have integrated avionics, we need to modernize our tech schools. And we've realized that. And all the way down to things like right time training, putting, putting more, more training back in AETC at the tech school. Uh, so our goal is to look at all of the career fields. We're doing uh, occupational analysis studies right now on all of the career fields for heavy aircraft avionics. We're discussing what right time training looks like. We're discussing what the future uh, should look like with the tech school. And we're, we're going technology-based. The tech training transformation previously known as Maintenance Next, has been doing groundbreaking work with, uh, with AR, VR. They're, they're helping to support the, uh, the CDC, the, the future CDC, so that all of that is streamlined. We're, we're hoping to flip the classrooms uh, with, a, uh, with Scale Up, which is it's a, it's a teaching methodology where you use less lecture and more teamwork uh, and coaching. And if we can get all of those things right, then we want to be able to, pr- to use that to produce the airmen that we need to be agile through our airframes. Complicated a little bit more, and the IT systems at AFPC don't handle dropping shreds earlier before the seven skill level. And, you know, we, we talk about the experience gap right now, and when we say seven level, we're talking career seven level, which is uh, tech sergeants and master sergeants dropping their shreds. But what if as an Air Force in the future, and you know, we're talking 2030s here, what if in the Air Force we can train our people so well and have the systems to support that through CDCs and training 
that we can allow the airmen at 48 months to move between airframes. Right. And we'd really like to have that. Mm-hmm. But first things first, we have to continue the occupational analysis studies. And a whole bunch of people have those in their inboxes and we need them to answer them. And they're cumbersome. But if they answer them, then we can use that through the STRT process to help us identify what's possible in the career field for training. And then that'll help us with what we can execute in the field. Long range, I would expect that we're at a minimum going to have integrated avionics on heavies broken down by bomber, tanker, and MAF aircraft, and then drop shreds at some point in the career. Uh, But we have to still figure out what that's going to look like. So that's a long answer to yes, we will drop them. Yes, we will do it smartly. And yes, we want to make sure we have the training to support it so that we're not just putting people out of tech school uh, that need to go learn in the field more than what they learned in the tech school. Fair enough. Awesome. And it's good to know that we even have a part in that with those surveys. And I know personally mine is in my inbox ready to go. So I'm going to do that and make sure it's sent up. Thank you very much. I'm going to add to that too. You know, that uh, when you think about, you know, there's BA surveys, there's, there's COLA surveys. A lot of those COLAs that are big Air Force, those surveys go out, you know, people... People see them, right, and, and they they may answer them. But these occupational surveys, when you see those from the CFMs, those affect your career, and those are affecting what your AFSC is going to do. So I know they're long and cumbersome, but it wasn't until a good math started pulled me down and said, "Sam, did you see what this is?" And it was talking about the LOASM split, you know, when LO and ASM were splitting, and I just put, "Ah, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter." But I'll tell you, it matters. So, so when you see those surveys, I get it. I know they're long. I know they're hard, but um. They affect your career field. And when you're all chiefs and you're all sitting as master sergeants and senior SEOs, you wish you filled them out. So, Awesome. Perfect. That's good to know. We have a rare treat with us today. Command Chief, 92nd ARW, Chief Guzman, has blessed us with his presence. How you know, doing, Chief? I don't know about blessed. It's kind of a liberal. That's kind of a, a big you know thing to put on me here. But... Uh, I want to stop by because I just realized we didn't take any pictures together with, with our two phenomenal CFMs who are here visiting the yard. So I wanted to get some documentation. They were actually here, <laughs> and uh, they were here on the yard at Fairchild. So we saw at the kiosk. Right, so. right. So I figured I'll stop by, get some photos of them, maybe join you during the little podcast interview here. You know, this is a big podcast. We have, like, what, millions of listeners worldwide? I think we're up to 150 <laughs> listeners. Nice. 150? Okay. Well, that's 151. Good. I'm going to start. 152. 152. We're growing by the so this is a big. This is a big growing radio show audience here, or podcast audience here. So I wanted to stop in and just say hi and see how it's going and take some photos. And uh, I'll just be a fly on the wall and listen in. Hi. I can't wait. Well, hello. Good seeing you again. Hello. Good seeing uh, you again. Good to see you. I see a lot of these guys. Well, Chief Guzman doesn't talk about him and I. Were, uh, I was a tech sergeant. He was a master of lodges. So we've known each other for a, a really long time. Yeah, over 11 so, years now. Yeah. You know. Just happenstance that last October I was visiting DC for a course, yeah. and I told uh, I met you know Sam here for for a dinner, and uh, Brian joined us, and I was like, oh, if I get hired for this job, I think I'm going to bring you out here to Fairchild. He did, to his credit, and I came through. Stuff. We came through yeah. to the to the promise. I called it, and it, it worked out. That's fantastic. So it's a small, yeah. You never know. They're already trying to buy us it back. 
heard of, yeah. we're already trying to come back. Yeah, right? we're trying to make it an we're annual appearance. Have the CFMs come out once a year. That would be fantastic. Everyone would love but it. But all seriously, why not? We have, we have a huge maintenance population here on the base, over 1,200 folks. Uh, why shouldn't we have our MFMs or our CFMs come right. out here early and often and, uh, and see the field, see how people are doing, ask the right questions, ask the questions, you know, get the info they need, take it back to the headquarters and make things better for everybody. Yes, sir. You, know, you get a lot of stuff in transactions, but we get more done with relationships. That's how you build them, bringing people out you know, and engaging them with the airmen at the front lines. Agreed. That connection is, is really pivotal. And with that... Unless there's anything either of you would like to speak on, I think we would be able to wrap this up. Yeah, I'll just say, you know, maintainers, we understand the job's hard. We know it's difficult. We know it's not glamorous. We know it's not glorious. Short and sweet, thank you. We hear you. We're listening. Thank you. And that means a lot. It really does. Thanks, Chief Sam. Any thoughts? It's hard to follow that up, but absolutely... Uh, we, we are passionate about maintenance. We're passionate about making good decisions on behalf of maintenance. And we really want to continue to tell the story about how we can make maintenance better. But we really appreciate the work that all maintainers do out in the, out in the Air Force. The, the reach of the maintainer is, is unbelievable. Uh, so I, I want to I wanna just say thanks again. We certainly appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you both. I really appreciate you coming in. I appreciate you taking your time out of your busy schedule to even come speak with us. And it just to let you know, from us looking up, it really means a lot for you to come and show yourselves around on base and we get to see you and get to talk with you. So I know it's going to help a lot of maintainers out. Awesome. Thank Thank you. Thank you for having us. All right, everyone. That wraps up another Refuel Team Fairchild episode. If you guys have show ideas people you'd like to hear from, or even would like to join me on an episode, please send an email my way. You can email me at 92fss.fsdp.fairchildcaa at us.af.mil. All right, you guys have a spectacular day.